0: Thank you, Rona. That was so good, man. That was really powerful. Um, and then Rona preached my sermon during her exhortation. I'm not even kidding. That was very good. Kind of leaves me hanging. Um, before I start, I just want to honor the Emmaus, just the the CDs and the and our director here, and all you leaders and staff. You guys are doing an amazing job. I'm so proud of you guys. And uh, man, I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but I got a little choked up because I'm so proud of you guys. You guys are doing such a phenomenal job. I'm so blessed. My heart is very full. Um, <laughs> We've been talking about Marinatha. Maranatha. Everybody say Maranatha. Maranatha. We've been talking about the spirit of Maranatha. Our Lord come, even so, Lord come. And it's a word, I talked to you guys about persecution. It's a word that was birthed from persecution. And it has a, it's a word with such deep meaning. And, it, and it's, a, it's a word that needs to be accompanied by something. Okay, There's things that need to be accompanied by something else. right? Like bagels. All right when you bagels come with what? Cheese. Exactly, right? Like like when you just eat like a bagel by itself is just bread. Right? It's nothing special, but with cream cheese, it's magic, right? Like hot apple pie has to come with what? Man, you guys know me. Ice cream. Vanilla ice cream. Right? They have to like like it's not complete without it. Okay? And maranatha, the spirit of maranatha. It must be accompanied by something. It has to be. If if it's not accompanied by this, then it really isn't true. And the thing that it needs to be accompanied by is hunger. You can't cry out Maranatha without hunger. I told you, you preached my sermon, girl. It's like going to a buffet and saying, more food, and you don't have an appetite. It just doesn't work. To truly cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, you have to be hungry. You have to be thirsty. Hunger is a sign of our health. When Ethan, when he gets sick, the first thing that happens to him is he doesn't eat. And he's going, and I give him, I give him like food. And, he goes, mm, and he'll eat it and go, bah. right? He, he doesn't eat. It's a sign of like when he's sick, he does, his appetite is the first one to go. Chemo patients, chemotherapy patients, when they're sick and they're going through chemotherapy, they lose their hunger. They can't eat. They throw up every time anything goes in their mouth. I have a you know I told you about my, my dog Nugget, um, and when we take her to the vet because she's not feeling well, the, what the first thing that the doctor asks us is, well, is she eating?" And we're like, "Yeah, she's eating." It's like, "Oh, she's fine," because right? you know it's like if they're hungry, if they if they eat, right? If 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 you see hunger in in them, it means they're healthy. You can tell I'm very healthy. (laughs) Our spiritual hunger is a sign of our spiritual health as well. And your heart has an appetite. It's a living thing. God God made your heart to desire and want. God made it to seek. Your heart has a capability to constantly be hungry and constantly be satisfied. It's an amazing thing, your heart. I'm not talking about your heart. I'm talking about your heart. It's because its original design was for it to constantly hunger and thirst for God. And constantly be satisfied by Him. That's what your heart was originally made for. In its original design, your heart has a capability to meet a woman, fall in love with her, and love her and no other woman, wanting more and more of her, to know more of her, to never get sick of her, Not just for 10 years, but for the rest of your life. And it's because your heart, God designed your heart that way. And marriages like that, these days, it's rare. It's not because our hearts change, it's because we're using our hearts wrong. If used right, your heart has the ability to remain loyal, steadfast, and hungry, and yearn for something and never get sick of it. Because God built it into your original design. Your heart's appetite Is amazing, and when your heart loses its appetite, you know what it is? It's depression. It's a sign of being unhealthy. And the hunger of our heart, if it's not on God, most likely it's going to be on something else. And there's, there's always your heart is always like like it has the ability to desire and want. There's a buffet in Busan It's called the Grand apple buffet. It's amazing. How many of you has been there? Anybody here? Yes Are you yeah. It's awesome man they got shrimp. I've never met a shrimp I didn't like, right? <laughs> they have like steak a really good steak. They give you like this they give you this jumbo shrimp, which is like the size of like my hand and it's all meat. It's like a mini lobster. They give you crab legs. They have, like, Indian food. They got Japanese food. They got every food. Chinese food. Really good Chinese food. You guys are getting hungry. And it's like, it's like, and it's not that expensive. It's like $47. And uh, you can, you can, I forgot you guys are college kids. <laughs> That's like a million dollars, man. And it's amazing, man. It's so great. I, and, and and even at the Grand Apple Buffet, okay, It could seem like, eh, whatever. If you go having snacked on a bunch of junk food. If you go there and the food is amazing, but if you've been eating Doritos all day, and ice cream, and just like chuchu and all that stuff, and all of a sudden you go and you're like, they give you steak, you would be like, eh, it's all right. Because you've lost your appetite on things that aren't as good. In the same way, we can't expect... To be hungry for God, if we're snacking on things of this earth, things of this world. We have to maintain our spiritual hunger. But when it comes to spiritual hunger, a lot of times we don't know what we're supposed to be hungry for, right? <laughs> like, like more of God, well, how do we do that? What does that mean, you know, to, to hunger more of the Word, more prayer, more Holy Spirit? What does spiritual hunger really look like and how does it produce in our lives? And to answer that question, we have to look at what Jesus talks about hunger. Okay? Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its, and its righteousness. Jesus is saying hunger and thirst. If you're going to hunger and thirst for anything, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Everyone say Righteousness. Today, I'm going to define righteousness for you. Jesus tells us hunger and thirst for righteousness. When I was young, I would think of righteousness. I would think of things like righteousness and the righteous. And I would think in two ways, okay? I would think about doing good things and not doing bad things. Now, I would meet people like John Neufeld. Who's met John Neufeld, right? He's like the most righteous person that I know. That guy's is like, like, man, he's pure, I know him pretty. Per- I know him personally, and I've never seen him, like, do anything that was like bad. Like, I feel like a pagan every time I'm around him. And then I would meet people that were all like bad and like, like, you know, like, drunk and drug. And then I would be like, "Oh, I'm so glad I'm not unrighteous like them." And then, and then I would do something bad, you know. I would go and sin, you know, which is all all the time. And all of a sudden, I feel like, "Oh, I feel so unrighteous." I feel so unrighteous. But today I'm going to blow your mind about righteousness, right? I'm going to blow you away. Righteousness has nothing to do with what you do. Doing good things does not make you righteous. Not doing bad things does not make you righteous. I'm here to tell you today that when Jesus says hunger and thirst for righteousness, He wasn't telling us to hunger and thirst to just do good things and hunger and thirst to do not do bad things you know you know people who hungered and thirsted to to do good things and to not do bad things you know who they were they're called the pharisees their righteousness was external it was it was what they did and what they didn't do i don't eat that i'm the pharisee of pharisees don't touch that and they, and they were very, very passionate about what they did and what they didn't do. And this is actually my sermon from Busan on Sunday. If you've heard it, deal with it, all right? <laughs> the Pharisees, the Israelites, they were all they were all about the law, okay? Everyone said law. law. You guys have a preconceived understanding of what the law is. Because God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. After 400 years of oppression and slavery, God leads them out through Moses, and then just as they're about to, like, they like think, well, we're dead. The Israelites are about to catch us. God does this amazing thing. He splits the, the Red Sea. And it's not like a river. The Red Sea is like, when you're on one side of the Red Sea, you can't see the other side. The other side looks like the Pacific Ocean, right? He splits this, and then they cross. They're liberated. They're saved. And then three months later with this fresh understanding of just their liberation and God's amazing goodness towards them, He gives them the law. He's like, you know what? You're going to have no other gods before me. And right there, in their liberation, the law is established upon them. Okay? But the law that the Israelites received from God was not supposed to be a bunch of do's and don'ts, you know, a bunch of rules that they needed to follow to merit salvation. Why? Because God is perfect... His law has to be perfect. He can't give us like an like a, like a unperfect law because He's perfect. He's God. And us being fallen man, not, we're not perfect. There's, it's impossible for us to fulfill the law. He gave us something that it was impossible for us to fulfill. It was like, it's like getting, you studying, you guys are students, it's like studying all semester for like your history test and you're studying every day. Like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an A on this. You study, you study, you study, and then you go to the test, and the teacher gives you the test, and it's in Chinese. And some of you guys are in Chinese. So for you guys, it's like in Italian. <laughs> You'd be like, what is this? This is impossible. Well, that's what the law is to us. We can't, we, there's nothing, we can't pass the law. And when the law was given to the Israelites, it was given not as a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts for them to merit salvation righteousness, But it got distorted. That's what they started to do with it. The law got distorted. And when Paul talks about the law, we always see it as, oh, it brings condemnation. He's talking about this wrong distortion of the law. But the original intent of the law wasn't to condemn the Israelites. The law was actually given to call forth love and faith. Because love fulfills the law. The answer to the law is love. So if you have a test on the law... You can just say love. That's right. Like here's law question 18. Love. That's right. Because law, love fulfills the law. Romans 13, 8 through 9. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does nothing to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Have no other gods before me. That's basically love me and trust me. Jesus says it himself. Matthew seven twelve. For So, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, you also do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. When the, when the man goes up to Jesus, he's like, what's the greatest commandment? What does he tell him? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your with your soul, with all your mind this is the greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commands, commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Love fulfills the law. And the love is from who? Where is love, love from? From God. 1 John 4 17. Let us love one another, for love is from who? God, everyone who Loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not know love, he, they, they don't know God. And so the law was given to them not to be just like, do this and don't do that. Never touch that. Yeah, that's what it looked like. But it actually was something to draw forth love and faith out of the Israelites. But it, tur- it got turned into a bunch of rules. Do's and don'ts to merit righteousness, and ultimately they tried it to be better than the others. I'm more, I have more of the law than you, leading to pride and actually producing no love and no faith. It's like the Karate Kid who's seen the Karate Kid? I'm not talking about the one with Jaden Smith because that's like that's kung fu, man. <laughs> How are gonna be called the Karate Kid when Jackie Chan teaches him kung fu, right? But the original Karate Kid was Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita as M- Mr. Miyagi. Is a, a young it- Italian-American dude that comes from New Jersey, moves into uh, <clears throat> to Southern California, gets beat up by a bunch of kids, and then, and then Mr. Miyagi saves him, right? He's like, I'm going to teach you karate. So what did he tell him to do? Wax on, wax off. Because he has a bunch of cars. He's like, do, do for all of this. Wax on, wax off. And then when he's done with that, Gives him this fence. He says, paint, up, down, up, down. Right? And then he does that. He does the wax on, the wax off, and the up, down. And then all of a sudden, he's like, man, what, you're, not, you're not teaching me no karate, man. Teach me karate. He's like, and he punches him. He's like, whoa! And he's like, wax on. He's like, oh, snap, it works. And he punches him. He's like, whoa, oh. Right? He was teaching him karate by teaching him wax on. I'm like, whoa, imagine if Ralph... If, if, if Daniel's son, instead of actually understanding that, just went off and did waxing cars for the rest of his life, all he did was just wax cars. This is karate, and he just goes up to a car, waxes it, and paints the fence. He missed the whole understanding of what the of what that teaching was for, right? That's what that's what the Israelites did with the law. The God said, "I'm going to give you this law. You can't fulfill it, man. You could do everything that you possibly can." And you spend your whole life, that's what the Pharisees did, man. They were smart. When they were like, and you know, after their bar mitzvah, they were like, okay, you're smart. I'm, gonna, I'm a rabbi, I'm going to teach you. And they would learn the law every day. And that's that all they would know. Paul, Saul, Paul, he became Paul. But he says he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Man, he was the greatest Pharisee. That's, that's, what he, that's why he wrote so much of the New Testament, because he knew the law. Right? God gives him this law, and he's like, you know what, this is, this, you can't fulfill it. There's, you, it's, like, it's like, you're testing Chinese, man. There's nothing you, you can do. right? But I'm going to give you this, because as you follow this, and as you depend on me, and you follow everything in you, you're going to start to love each other, and you're going to start to have faith in me. That's, that was the heart of the law. And the Israelites received the law, but missed the heart of the law. And it became a bunch of rules, to do's and to don'ts. If I do this, I'm good. If I don't do that, I'm good. But if I do that, oh, I'm bad. And Christianity is not about about a bunch of things you do and and, and bad things you don't do. That's called religion. And Jesus, he hates religion. That's why he was so against the Pharisees, he called them a brood of vipers. It's like, you're, you're the children of the devil. Because they were the leaders, the teachers, the scribes, and they were using what God gave them to produce no love, no faith, and was using it to judge each other. Condemning each other. That was the religious spirit. The religious spirit says, if I look righteous, it's all good. If they see me doing these things, and as long as I'm not, they don't see me doing these things, I'm all good. Excuse me. If I do this, I'm close to God. If I, if I don't do this, I'm close to God. And that that's, that's, was their heart. It was a religious spirit. And I told you, a key in our Christian walk is the Word of God. We have to dig into the Word of God. But the religious spirit can turn even the Word of God into a bunch of tasks and duties. And it can be a bunch of head knowledge in your head. And you have none of the heart and the spirit that goes with it. Some, some people are mad religious. They know so much about the Bible. It's almost like they went to seminary. But like when you talk, look at the fruit in the life, they got no fruit. They use that knowledge to condemn each other. That's why I hate the religious spirit. People see me, I, like, I'm a pastor. They act, the religious people act different around me. Like, oh, pastor, oh, yes. But then when they see me act just myself, they're like, man, what's wrong with you? Aren't you a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor. Now, my, my, my point isn't to say that going around doing whatever you want to do is good. You know, it's not about, yeah, I drink. Yeah, I smoke. Yeah, I smoke, yeah, I smoke weed. Yeah, I sleep around. What's the big deal, man? I'm, I'm forgiven. Stop being religious. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what, 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 what. Sin is bad. God hates sin. You need to hate sin. The point I'm trying to make is the answer to our sin problem isn't trying to do good. It's not trying to do bad. You can't hate sin by just not trying to do it. Point. It's not about doing good and doing bad. The answer to our sin problem is not not sinning. That's a double negative. It's kind of confusing. But the answer to our sin problem is not not sinning. Because we can't keep that up. We're not perfect. Why? Because we have a sinful nature. It's like a, a vampire, right? The vampires are not real. They're actually very bad. I don't believe in vampires, but this is just an example, right? What do vampires drink? Blood, right? <clears throat> they have to drink blood. But what if a vampire decides one day, you know what? I'm just going to eat roast beef sandwiches. I'm going go to Subway's. Can I get, can, and, and my vampire always sounds like the count. Oh, can I get one roast beef sandwich? And they're like, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh. He eats the roast beef sandwich. Oh, that's very good. You know, and you can eat, uh, roast beef. After a while, he's just going to be like, oh, roast beef. Uh, I want to drink your blood, you know. <laughs> because it's uh, by his nature, he needs that blood. It's the same thing with us. If we try to just not do bad things, it's impossible, man. We can never keep that up. And Jesus said, that's not what I expect you to do. I don't expect you to just not try to say that has nothing to do with what I'm trying to teach you, man. And, then he, and, and it's because he points us to the Pharisees and says, don't be like them. Because they made that mistake. And if your answer to your sin problem is just not to do sin, you can only go so far before you realize it's too hard. And then what happens? You fall. And what do you feel? Shame. I feel so much shame. You know, shame is a, is a tool of the enemy. It is a tool of Satan. Because shame tells you it's not about something bad you did; it's about something bad you are. Shame tells you you're dirty. When when God is saying, "Man, you sin. You shouldn't do that anymore." Shame tells us you are a sinner. You are a pervert. You're an addict. But what God is saying is like, you know what? If you try to just not sin, you're gonna just end up in shame. It's inevitable. Because the Bible tells us no one is righteous, not even one. There's no one. No one is righteous. Romans three ten, Isaiah sixty four six. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. It's like you go to the orphanage and you volunteer and you take care of this orphan and you give give them scholarships and you're loving on them and they think oh you're so great and you know what God you know what the Word of God calls that. Filthy rags. Because we, are, we can't produce righteousness in us. The righteousness that Jesus is talking about goes beyond doing good and moral things. Virtuous things. What Jesus is talking about is not external. But it ex- exists in the center of who you are. The center, at the core of who you are. We're not even your friends, not even your parents, not even my wife knows. Remember, if you're in a room by yourself and you're just looking, you're like, and you know it's just you, you're like, that's me. That's, that's the center of who you are. And God is saying, at the center of who you are, that's the core of who you are. Righteousness at the center of who you are it's not something that you do. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's not a thinking thing. It's not logic. Righteousness is not behavior. Righteousness is at the center of your as a person. He's talking about Himself. When we put faith in Jesus Christ, He became Christ in us, hope of glory. The only thing righteous in you is Jesus Christ. And the only way that hunger and thirst is going to abound in you is through Him. It's what I talked about earlier today. told you, I was was saying saying my sermon earlier today. It's relationship with Him. When we put our faith in Jesus and we truly pursue a relationship with Him, we hunger for Him. We thirst for more of Him. And it's because our heart was made to do that. Like I said earlier, if you right, our hearts have have a built-in ability to constantly hunger and want more of Him. It's what it was made to do. Our hearts were created to hunger Spiritually. And it's different from physical hunger because our physical hunger comes from lack. You lack food. When I fast, I get hungry. I get really hungry. But spiritual hunger comes from abundance. We hunger because there is greater. There's more. There's better. You know, I, I love steak. And I, cooked, I used to cook steak just on a like frying pan. And, then, oh yeah, and put some salt on it and eat it. Oh, that's so good. Steak. I love steak. And then I learned a new way to make steak. Is you get a good piece of steak, you cover it with salt and pepper, and then you put it in the oven, and you slow cook it for like 45 minutes. And then it starts to seal in all the juices. It's slow cooking. And then the whole piece of meat becomes medium rare. You know, like when you get a steak, and sometimes it's like fully cooked, and then it's like, oh, medium, medium. And at the middle is raw. I don't like that, right? Because when you cook it this way, the whole steak becomes medium rare. And you take that out of the oven, and then you put it on a very, very hot frying pan. And you flip it. And then you cool it. And then you, you slice into it. And it's, like a, sli- it's like, a, like a sliver of steak that's just all medium rare. And then you put it in your mouth, and you're like, man, this is so good. And you realize, man, I can't eat steak the old way anymore. This is how I make steak. But you know what? That's from abundance. That's God. When God gives you something, when you hunger for God, that's how God satisfies you. Like, yeah, you thought this was, oh, you thought this was good. I'm going to show you something better. Steak. (laughs) Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied. How many of you know that you can't be satisfied unless you're hungry? You were like, oh God, I want to satisfy us, satisfy us. God's like, get hungry, man. You can't be satisfied unless you're hungry. The word satisfied in the Greek is hartazo, and it literally means to feed, to fill, to satisfy with food, to fatten like you do with animals. Right? Like This word that is used... Satisfy When Jesus is talking about it, it's like when you feed an animal and you're feeding them, you're giving them food, right? And, and, and you don't feed animal just one time. If I fed Nugget just one time, she'd be dead. What Jesus is saying here is when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will always and constantly be filled, be satisfied over and over again. God by His Spirit encounters us in our spirit and there's a hunger for more that continually and faithfully is being satisfied in us. And if used right, our hearts are made to not get sick of it. Our spirit is made to hunger. It was made to stand in heaven in the throne room of God, constantly and eternally worshiping Him, continually being filled with His goodness and His glory We're made in a way when we stand before God, we will never say, you know what, God, I've had enough of you. But the enemy knows this about our heart and he exploits us. That's why we have to guard our hearts. Women, sisters, guard your heart. Don't give your heart to just anybody. I'm being serious. And guys, you too. Don't give your heart to just anybody. Drugs. Drugs. The enemy exploits this, this part of our heart with drugs. When, when you get hooked on drugs, there's a hunger that is distilled in you. And when you do that drug, there's a twisted satisfaction in your soul. You know that? And from my experience in drugs, drugs are so dangerous because it awakens a spiritual side in us. And it's just demonic. Holy Spirit awakes us in our spirit to connect with God. I believe drugs awakens our spirit and our insides, and it and it connects us to the demonic, and it creates a counterfeit spiritual hunger. There's physical dependency, and physical pleasure. But when that physical ends, beyond that, there's a spiritual hunger that is birthed when we do drugs, and it's demonic. And the reason why I'm saying this is because whatever the world tries to use to satisfy you, it always comes from lack. There's always lack. I've seen guys with like so much drugs. You'd be like, man, you can never do all of that in a lifetime. And you go back a week later and they're like, man, I need to go get some more. Because it's like always lack. That's whatever the world tried to satisfy it's going to always end up in lack. But with God, there's never a lack. He gives us life abundant. What did he say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Over and over and over again. And we have to get that mentality of lack out of our minds. Christ came that we may have life abundantly. And our God is not a stingy God. Just because we experience God, it's not like, Okay, I'm good. You're good. You're good for now. I'm going to just hold all my goodness. And I'm going to hold on to it until, you know, you need it again. Bye. See you later. He's not stingy. He's not a god of lack when we go after god he will fill you and, and and you have to have that expectation that there's more from him it's always like received from god and like oh god this is so good so good you satisfy me and then you look and oh there's more <laughs> oh you satisfy me and i'm like you run. And, oh there's more thank you so much that's the hunger that is that is running the race This is a race set before us. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance a race set before us, fixing our eyes on who? On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When we have our eyes fixed on Jesus and we receive, like, oh, God, you're so good. Jesus, thank you. And then it's not it. You don't just play with that. He gives you more. Running this race requires hunger. You need to be hungry. If you're going to finish strong in this race, you've got to maintain your hunger. And you got to know what you're running after. You have to hunger for what you're running after. I ran a marathon. You guys are going to say, you're on crack, dude. But not even that long ago. 2010, Right before we got married, I ran a marathon. Full marathon. 42 kilometers. I finished in 4 hours and 28 minutes. I used to be... Guy, it would look good back then, man. I tricked my wife into marrying me. I lost like 30 pounds. Every day I ran like seven, eight kilometers a day. And I got slim and I ran this marathon. But you know what I was, you know, like, and I know this is very soulish, right? But you know what helped me to run this marathon? As I was running, I was like, man, I'm going to impress Mina. I'm going to impress her. I didn't do it for God. I did it for her. I was running. I was like, man, I'm going to impress. She's going to be like, oh, my boyfriend, is, he's so great. He finished the marathon. But it helped me because at the end, it was hard, man. The last 10, 30 kilometers, I was like, bam, I'm on point, man. I'm going to finish in three hours. And all of a sudden, my body started to hurt like crazy. I was like, oh, where did this come from? And then I was like slowing down, slowing down. And they have these like, marker, the, these guys, are pacemakers, right? If you follow them, you'll finish in this time. I was following behind this guy three hours and 15 minutes they wear a balloon over their heads, right? <laughs> and they, they do they really they have a balloon tied to their back and it has a number like a, a time three hours because they're professional runners if you follow this guy if you run at his pace you're going to run it in three hours and 15 minutes I was like alright, I'm on point point. 30 kilometers three hours and 15 minutes after 30 kilometers he was very far away and another man came back three hours and 15 minutes 30 minutes I was like alright and then all of a sudden, very quickly, it was very far away. I was in pain. All of a sudden, four-hour guy comes by. And I'm like, oh! And he's, he's like running by me. I'm walking. All of a sudden, there's ajummas with gold like, medallions that finished the race that are walking home past me. And I'm like, what's going on? And in that moment, I was running. I was like, I'm doing this for Mina. i got to impress her. She's going to marry me after this. But well, you know what? That's how we have to run our race. We have to run knowing who we're running after, man. And we got to have a hunger for the person that we're running after. We have to hunger for Jesus. As we hunger for God, we have to have an expectation that He will give us more. 1 Corinthians two nine. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man, Im- man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's like, man, you can't even imagine what He has for you. As long as you're running after Him. He has amazing things for you. Right now, when you're not running after Him, other things look amazing. That girl in, in, your, in, your, in your, what did what we guys study? In your Korean class. She looks amazing, man. If I could have her, that'd be oh, that'd be that would satisfy my soul. But then, when you start running after God, all of those things start to fail, and then you realize, man, what God has for me is amazing. Each and every one of you, God has amazing things for you. Yeah, he, he does. You know what? I'm not, you know, like I'm, I'm a pastor, and 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 you know, I, I have a kid, you know, but but. As I live my life, I realize, man, God has, like, like God, what, I have, what God gives me is amazing every time. Just being able to stand here and talk to you guys right now is, like, amazing. I can't believe I get to do this. This is just more. If I follow God and I'm hungry and I'm going after Him, this is just the beginning for me. And what God is saying is, man, run this race like that with me, with hunger, hunger for me. And you know what? I'm going to satisfy you in a way that no, nothing can satisfy you. Ephesians 3.20 Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly. That's like saying more than more than more. Paul is saying like He's going to do so much far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. It's like we don't even know what we're capable of. He has infinite different ways to satisfy your hunger and your soul. God is never boring. You guys think, if, if I'm a Christian and I follow God, man, my life's going to be boring. Because you guys look at all of the, the, the people who, like living it up in the clubs, and you think, man, their life looks so fantastic. No, man. Whatever they're running after will not satisfy. When you find yourself in this hunger... Your circumstances may look like whatever. When you're hungry for God, circumstances that used to be like unsurmountable don't seem that bad. Because that hunger is satisfying your soul. Your faith is strong because your faith is not based on some like cosmic wish that you have. But it's, it's assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. That assurance of conviction is real because it comes from experiences where He satisfied your soul. Because you know that he, man, He's good. He's good and He's for me. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That kingdom is a person and it's Jesus. And He's saying, man, Run after me. Run after me. Hunger for me. You know, like, like, th- stop hungering for the things of this world. You guys are young, and, and there's so many things that are so flashy around you. Even your careers seem so like much more sometimes than following Jesus. I'm not saying give up on your future careers and your plans. God. That's not what God is saying. But, but, As you run after those things, there should be someone that's greater than that. That has eternal, eternal rewards and eternal perspective for you. Your career, you're going to be doing for 40 years. You're going to be worshiping Jesus for eternity. Do you have a hunger for more of Jesus? Is your faith about not trying to do bad things and trying to do good things? Or is it wanting more of jesus in your life because god wants to stir up a hunger in you where your heart cries out maranatha like jesus come back even so come back yes i might not even get married because if you come but i i hunger for you that is you can you're capable of that your heart was created to hunger to thirst your heart was created to be satisfied And let me tell you, things of this world cannot satisfy. You know, like a lot of you guys, you guys have gotten drunk. You guys have done drugs. Some of you guys have slept around. A lot of you guys might have looked at pornography. But all of that don't satisfy. Even the good things in your life. You guys think, my career, if I become a lawyer, I'm going to be satisfied. No, man. That's a job. You, what you got, yeah, you guys need to stay, stay in school. And you guys, need to, you guys need to get an education. But you guys think that that's going to satisfy you? And, uh, your parents tell you that. Your parents tell you, man, this, this, you're going to be set for life. You become a doctor. All my cousins are doctors. I'm the only, I'm the black sheep in the family. I'm the only, my, my mom, my sister is a doctor in human genetics. She's like the, the, the crazy scientist in the movies, Right? But you know what? God's satisfying my soul. Your careers, your future, even, even Ethan, man, I love that, dude. But in the end, you know, the way that, 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 that it's created is like your child can't satisfy your soul. Right now it feels like it. But then God gives me a cold reminder when He wakes up at 2 in the morning. He's like, Aah! Your children, they're going to grow up. They're going to leave. They're not going to satisfy your soul. My wife, I love her. She's great. But I also get reminded every day that she can't satisfy my soul. And one day, we're going, to, we're going to die. We're going to be in heaven. No, marriage is not for eternity, right? It's until you die. Until we die, girl. Ride, ride or die. You guys are young, and I want to give you a lesson now. Things in this world that you guys think are important, it's not gonna satisfy yourself. It won't satisfy you into eternity. Get a fresh perspective of who will satisfy and, it's, and and God said, you know what? If you hunger, if you have a hunger for me, if you have a hunger for Jesus Christ and you're running for him, he's gonna satisfy. He's gonna give you things. To satisfy you. It's not always just going to be this feeling inside. You know that? He satisfies you with stuff. With good stuff. You guys think, oh man, I want to date that guy. You know, Hold up, man. Let God satisfy that part of your soul. Do it right. You know that? You guys you guys are like, oh man, that guy at the club is so good looking. Yeah. Like, man, he'll man. He'll hurt you. He's probably, a, he's probably a turd. <laughs> don't, don't fall for that. Like, 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 let God satisfy you. You guys think that God's going to only satisfy you with this, oh, Jesus, this nice feeling in your heart. Yeah, he does. But he also satisfies you in community. He satisfies you with people around you, with friends with family. He satisfies you with your spiritual authority. He satisfies you with your, with, with your, with your future wife and your future husband. If you're running and you're, and, and you're focused on Jesus, it's like I told you, it's like you're walking, you're running this race. Oh, God, you're so good. Oh, you're so good. And you're giving me all this. I'm running after you. And all of a sudden, God's going to say, all right, look to your left. And you're going to look to your left. And there's going to be a girl running by you. And then God's going to say, you know what? I want you to run with her. You're like, Yes. Thank you. She's cute. <laughs> that's how he satisfies you, man. It's, it's in his order and in his will and in his plan. That's how he satisfies. Don't go. You know what? When you go out of that, it's called your flesh. When you try to satisfy your own soul, that's called your flesh. But as you follow Jesus and you're running, and then you and your wife, you're running, and then all of a sudden he's like, All right, stick out your hand. You're like, yeah, and then he's like, it's a baby. And you're like, wow! <laughs> Thank you! It satisfies you. That's running the race, you guys. It's not just running and you're like, oh God, what about... I? I, I want a boyfriend, God! Come on! I'm 22, I should have a boyfriend! That's not... That, that's called your soul. That's called your flesh. But, but look to things. Look for things that God's going to... When you run for God, He's going to give you things to satisfy your soul. And it's going to be amazing, man. God, when He does it, it blows you away. You know, I, and, he, and you know what? He even redeems mistakes in your life. Even if you go off course. I went way off course, man. I went way off course to a place where I thought I, I wrecked my life. I I didn't think I would ever get married. I would come to church and I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, marriage is for those people that didn't go to prison, didn't get deported, and aren't like mad old. And I used to think I'd never get married. I was like, oh, I'm good with it, God. It was like my me being like a monk, like oh, it's all right, God. It's all right. Just it's you and me, the God, it's you and me. I used to think I would never... Because I felt like I, I just... I, I went too far out there. But you know what? God redeems... He redeemed every stupid mistake that I made. So right now, there's nowhere else in this world that I would rather be than right here, right now. Really, there isn't. Like, I, w- I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And everybody asks me, like, oh, don't you want to go back to America? Yeah, it'd be nice. But it's not something I need. Because God, right now... And, and 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 even your mistakes, he, it's called redeeming. He redeems it, and, and and he wants to give you that as you run with hunger. Oh, this hunger, you, only you can satisfy. It's what like he's perfect, and he, the gifts that he's going to give you are perfect. You guys are young. This is the last session tonight. I want you guys to have a hunger for God as you as you leave. And if you don't, let us pray for you. And and, and let us speak into that. Allow your leaders to speak into that. Because, like I said, hunger is a sign of health. If you're a Christian, you guys should be hungry. Because you guys know Jesus. Knowing Jesus is not just knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is Jesus. Let's, Let's pray.